Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid. I have Brother Christopher assisting me today. We have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. The title of today's lesson, brothers and sisters, is Where is Your Cross? Where is your cross, brothers and sisters? Today we will learn how the cross is your key to personal transformation. We're talking about sacrifice. Brothers and sisters, follow us to Exodus, the 29th chapter. We're going to have Brother Christopher read the 45th and 46th verses. Exodus 29, verse 45. And I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God that brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. That what, brother? That I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Did you catch that, brothers and sisters? He said it in both in both verses, verse 45 and 46. There was something critical there. Could you read 45 again, brother? Verse 45. And I will dwell among the children of Israel. Right there, brothers and sisters. The Most High has always wanted to establish his dwelling with and among his people. He's always wanted to dwell amongst us. Brothers and sisters, that's all he ever wanted from the beginning, from the garden of Eve, Eden, brothers and sisters. He wanted fellowship with his creation. Read that one more time, please, brother. Exodus 29 and 45. And I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am there and they shall know that I am the Lord, their God. Continue, brother. That brought them forth out of the land of Egypt. That did what? That brought them forth out of the land of Egypt. Why? That I may dwell among them. Why did he bring us out? That I may dwell among them. The text teaches us that deliverance is connected with the Most High's purpose to have relationship with us. Do you see that, brothers and sisters? He's saying, I delivered you for a purpose. I wanted to have fellowship with you. I wanted to dwell with you. See that, brothers and sisters? Here it is. We're learning. Deliverance is always connected to a bigger purpose. The Most High does not deliver us so we can go do what we want to do. He delivered us so he could dwell amongst us. So the Most High stresses that the idea of relationship is the motive behind deliverance. Do you see this, brothers and sisters? Let's start there. The Most High has always wanted to dwell amongst his people. That's the only thing he wanted. In fact, he killed the firstborn of Egyptians so he could dwell amongst us, brothers and sisters. So let's, let's, let's start it there. Showing you what the Most High's desire always has been. Let's go to Exodus 25, brother. We're going to go to Exodus, the 25th chapter, the 8th and the 9th verse. Follow us here, brothers and sisters. Exodus 25, verse 8. And let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell among them. Examine the text closely, because we're reading the Most High's deepest desires. Could you read that again, brother? Verse 8. And let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell among them. He said, build it so I can dwell with you. Verse 9. According to all that I showed thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle, and the pattern of all the instruments thereof. So, brothers and sisters, he said, well, listen, since you can't come up, I'll come down. <laughs> see, since your car broke down, I'll swing by and pick you up. You see that, brothers and sisters? Read that from the top, please, brother. 
Exodus 25, verse 8. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Here we read the cost of fellowship with the Most High. Brothers and sisters, we have to work. Why? For his presence. He said, this is what you have to do so I may dwell with you. So we have to establish that also. He wants to dwell amongst us, but there's something you must do in order to enjoy that presence. Verse 9. According to all that I showed thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. See, so he's saying, listen, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you how to do this, Moses, okay? I'm going to tell you how long, how tall, what wood. I'm going to tell you everything that you need, okay? So he's telling you, my presence will be determined by your actions. <laughs> he said, I will show you. He said, according to all that I show you after the pattern, the pattern of what? The heavenly tabernacle. So he said, I'm going to give you the dimensions. You follow my dimensions to the to the T. OK, and I will dwell amongst you. So here it is. We're seeing the most high appointed the sanctuary to be a symbol of his presence. Brothers and sisters, do you see that? That's what tabernacle means, brothers and sisters. Tabernacle means to dwell. Look that word up in the Hebrew. Let's read that one more time, brother, and then we'll go to Job 22. Exodus 25, verse 8. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them, according to all that I showed thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof. Even so shall ye make it. So we just wanted to show you, brothers and sisters, that what? You would have to work for his presence. He said... You have to build me a sanctuary. Why? So I may dwell amongst you. So the principle is what? That there's something that must be done to enjoy his presence. Let us show you. Let's go to Job, brother. I'm going to go to Job, the 22nd chapter. Job 22 and 21. Job 22, verse 21. Acquaint now thy safe, <coughs> excuse me, verse 21. Acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. And what, brother? And be at peace. Now, look at this, brothers and sisters. <laughs> the book of Job is telling you what? The benefits of acquaintance. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 21. Acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. Thereby good shall come unto thee. Now, why did we do this? We did this, brothers and sisters, because we want to give you a healthier perspective of what relationship can do for you, brothers and sisters. What acquaintance can do with you, do for you, brothers and sisters. Let's let's read some of the benefits. Jump to verse 24, brother, because right away he says what? He said, Acquaint yourself with the most high and be at peace. Showing you that what? When you don't have acquaintance with the Most High, you have no peace. See, peace, inner peace only comes from relationship, as we're reading here. Continue, brother, verse 24. Job 22, verse 24. Then shalt thou lay up gold as dust, and the gold of Ophir as the stones of the brooks. Yeah, the Almighty shall be thy defense. He said, listen, if you get acquainted with me, I'll be your defense. And thou shalt have plenty of silver. I will always provide for you. Verse 26. 
For then shalt thou have thy delight in the Almighty, and shall lift up thy face unto God. See, he said, you don't, he's saying, if you don't know me, that's why you don't have delight in my presence. That's why you don't have delight in doing what I'm telling you, because you really don't know me. Because if you knew me, you would delight in all of my instructions. See? Continue, brother. Verse 27. Thou shalt make thy prayer unto him, and he shall hear thee, and thou shalt pay thy vows. Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy way. See, so the text emphasizes the blessedness of acquaintance with the Most High God, brothers and sisters. See? Now we will what? We will go to some scriptures to show us how to secure this acquaintance with the Most High God. Let's go to Leviticus, the ninth chapter, brother. The title of today's lesson is, Where is your cross? Where is your cross? We're going to read, excuse me, brother. We're going to read Leviticus chapter 9, verse 3 through 6. Leviticus 9, verse 3. And unto the children of Israel thou shalt speak, saying, Take ye as a kid of the goats for a sin offering and a calf, and a lamb, both of the first year, without blemish, for a burnt offering. Also a bullock and a ram for peace offerings, to sacrifice before the Lord, and a meat offering mingled with oil. For today the Lord will appear unto you. For what? For today the Lord will appear unto you. I hope you didn't miss that, brothers and sisters, because... It is here that we see the prerequisites for receiving that presence. He's saying, I'm giving you these instructions. Why? Because the Most High is going to appear to you today. So before he appears to you, this is what must be done. Let's go back on that. Let's go back to verse 3, brother. Listen closely, Israel. Leviticus 9, verse 3. And unto the children of Israel thou shalt speak, saying, Take ye as a kid of the goats for a sin offering and a calf and a lamb, both of the first year. One years old. Without blemish, for a burnt offering. So he's saying, listen, you need to have a calf or a lamb, right? Without blemish, perfect, for a burnt offering. Continue, brother. Verse 4. Also a bullock and a ram for peace offerings, to sacrifice before the Lord, and a meat offering mingled with oil. Why, brother? For today the Lord will appear unto you. Why should I do all this? For today the Lord will appear unto you. See, so the text teaches us that in order to approach the throne, it's going to cost you something. See, he was teaching us this in the Old Testament. Continue, brother. Verse 5. And they brought that which Moses commanded before the tabernacle of the congregation. And all the congregation drew near and stood before the Lord. And Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord commanded that ye should do. And the glory of the Lord shall appear unto you. See, so look at that, brothers and sisters. Here we learn the presence of the Most High God is not something one can easily approach. He said, listen, if you want to approach the king, this is what what I need. All right. And then he went to a myriad of things, all that had to be without blemish, brothers and sisters. We're just establishing that it costs something to have relationship with the Most High God. Do you see He was teaching us this in the Old Testament. You don't just walk up on the king. (laughs) Now, if you lived in one of these, you know, one of these other countries that are still under kingdoms, you would understand this, brothers and sisters. 
You didn't just go see the Queen of England like that. And it was it was common knowledge, brothers and sisters, when you went to see, you know, somebody who who was of that type of rank, you brought a gift. You brought a gift when you came into the presence of them. Same way, if you go to, you know, somebody invites you over to dinner and all that, what you bring something, right? <laughs> In the world, they'll bring wine or something, but you bring something. That's just, you know, that's just how it is, brothers and sisters. The Most High is saying, listen, in order to, to dwell amongst me or to have me dwell amongst you, it's going to cost you something, all right? Brothers and sisters, follow us to Leviticus, the 17th chapter, the third and fourth verse. What are we seeing? We're showing you the cost of fellowship. Leviticus 17, verse 3. What man soever there be of the house of Israel that killeth an ox or lamb or goat in the camp or that killeth it out of the camp. So any man who killeth a goat, ox, lamb. Whether you're in the camp, outside of the camp. Verse 4. And bringeth it not unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. So if you kill one of those clean animals and don't bring it to the tabernacle door. To offer an offering unto the Lord before the tabernacle of the Lord. Blood shall be imputed unto that man. He has shed blood. And that man shall be cut off from among his people. Brothers and sisters, we're going to read that again. Because I don't know if you caught that. He's telling you, anything you're unwilling to sacrifice, I'm unwilling to give you. So if you killed meat, and you did not bring it to the priest for to sacrifice for a peace offering, you didn't eat meat that day. Do you see that, brothers and sisters? Look at it again. Continue, brother. Verse 3. Leviticus 17 and 3. What man soever there be of the house of Israel that killeth an ox or lamb or goat in the camp or that killeth it out of the camp and bringeth it not unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation to offer an offering unto the Lord before the tabernacle of the Lord. Blood shall be imputed unto that man. He, he hath shed blood and that man shall be cut off from among his people. You could be cut off for that. See, the, the brothers and sisters, the peace offering was the only offering in which you actually ate of. The other ones were burnt offerings. So you brought it to him and they just really lit it on fire because the most high liked the smell, right? But this was one that a person could eat. So this was called the peace offering. What would transpire is you would bring the animal, right? Unblemished. 50% of it would go to the Most High, 25% of it would go to the priest, and the other 25 would be for you. And this was the only way you were allowed to eat meat. <laughs> it says, listen, if you get if you start killing, you know, flesh and you don't bring it to the priest, you don't eat meat. You can be cut off from amongst your people. You see that, brothers and sisters? So here it is, we're seeing that the peace offering was the only sacrifice which the Israelites could eat. And every time the Israelite wanted to eat meat for dinner, he had to offer a peace offering. So the principle here is you cannot withdraw what you did not deposit. So if you don't bring meat, you don't eat meat, brothers and sisters. That's the law. Why? Because the harvest is limited to the planting. You can't harvest something that you were unwilling to plant. You see that, brothers and sisters? That's the law here. We're in Leviticus. We're going to read it again. 
Leviticus 17 and 3. What man soever there be of the house of Israel that killeth an ox or lamb or goat in the camp, or that killeth it out of the camp, and bringeth it not unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, to offer an offering unto the Lord before the tabernacle of the Lord. Blood shall be imputed unto that man. He hath shed blood, and that man shall be cut off from among his people. See, so it was clear, brothers and sisters, it was clear that if you wanted to eat meat on any particular day, you had to first bring that meat to the priest, which means you, you essentially you offered up 75% of it, 50 to the Most High, 25 to the priest of the Most High, and you get whatever's left over. That's how it was. So he was teaching us about sacrifice, brothers and sisters. This is what he was teaching. Why? Because blood had to be presented to the Most High if you wanted to eat it. He, now, notice he only spoke of clean foods because you're not supposed to be eating the other foods. <laughs> so he went to the clean foods in which he would receive and said, well, listen, if a man want to eat meat tonight for dinner, he need to come sacrifice 75% of that animal to me, and then you can go eat meat. So the Most High was not playing. And then it tells you, if you do this, if you kill an animal to eat it without sacrificing it, you're cut off. <laughs> so this was serious business, brothers and sisters. This was serious business. The principle is, you cannot withdraw what you have not deposited. So if you're unwilling to sacrifice you know, whatever to the Most High, he's unwilling to give it to you. So we're learning something here, brothers and sisters. The title of today's lesson, Where is Your Cross? Where is your cross? Let's go to Ecclesiastes, brother. We understand the Old Testament. I'm going to Ecclesiastes 11 and 4. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 4. He that observes the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the cloud shall not reap. This verse is a warning against procrastination, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, please, Brother Christopher. Verse 4. He that observes the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the cloud shall not reap. And thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child. Even so, that knowest not the works of God who maketh all. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 5, please. Verse 5. As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child. Even so, thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. So look at this, brothers and sisters. What is he saying? He's saying just because we don't possess the complete picture is no excuse for inactivity. You see that, brothers and sisters, it says you don't know how bones grow in the, in the womb of a woman, right? So you don't really know, but you still have to sacrifice. So the text teaches that the Most High requires decisive commitment. Look at verse 4 again, brothers and sisters. He said, what does it say, brother Christopher? Verse 4, he that observes the wind shall not sow. You're looking at the wind, right? So you're not sowing because you don't believe, look, it might rain, you know, this may not go well. So, you know, I'm not going to sacrifice. And he that regarded the clouds shall not reap. See, so look at that. So now you're looking at the wind. You think it's too windy to sow. You think it's going to rain. So you're not reaping it because the clouds are there. Continue, brother. Verse five. 
as thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit. You don't know the spirit of the Most High. Nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child. Even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. See, so he's saying stop being overly analytical and do it. You're doing too much thinking. That's what Solomon was breaking down here, brothers and sisters. Why? Because to observe circumstances, brothers and sisters, instead of trusting the Most High, would be a, a miscalculation. And that's what Solomon was showing here. Because a lot of us, we think if we sacrifice this for the Most High, it, something don't work out over here. Or I'll be without this. I'll be without that. I could lose this. He's saying you're being too, too analytical. You're watching the wind right now. You're watching the clouds. Instead of, you know, sowing the seeds into the ground, you're thinking about the wind blowing the seeds off the ground. Instead of reaping what's in the ground, you're looking at rain. <laughs> you see? He says, stop being analytical. It's not that it's not that hard. You don't know the ways of the Most High God. So if you're willing to sacrifice, you just have to trust the Most High God. Do you see that, brothers and sisters? Let's go to Luke, brother, 6 and 38. Let's go to the New Testament, to the gospel, please. Luke, the 6th chapter, the 38th verse. Luke 6, verse 38. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Read that again, brother, please. Luke 6, verse 38. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over, shall men give it into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. So really examine the harvest principle written in this text, brothers and sisters. What we're seeing is this is a harvest principle passage, brothers and sisters. You must give something in order to receive something. See, that's natural law. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 38. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Pressed down and shaken together and running over. Look at that, brothers and sisters. Look at the return on investment there. Shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. For with the what, brother? For with the same measure that ye meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. Look at that, brothers and sisters. So... The statement is what? If you don't like what you're reaping, you better have changed what you've been sowing. Right? Before the reward, there must be labor. Right? Before plant, before you must, you know, before you harvest, there must be planting. It says the, the most important part is for with the same measure that ye meet with all, that's what will be measured unto you. So based on what you're willing to sacrifice, that's how much he's willing to do for us brothers and sisters. See, too, too many of us are better takers than they are givers. See, you deposit 25%, but you're trying to pull out 125%. Where is your cross, brother? Where? Where is your cross, sister? Where is your cross? Where is your sacrifice? You see that, brothers and sisters? 
He said, give and it shall be given unto you. And whatever you give, you will receive that same measure. That same measure. Let's go to Proverbs, brother, 3 and 9. Because our topic today is sacrifice, brothers and sisters. Sacrifice. Where is your cross, brother? Proverbs 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance. With thy words. With thy substance. With thy song. With thy substance. And with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty. And thy presses shall burst out with new wine. So according to the author, brothers and sisters, we can honor many things with our money. More often, more often than not, it's ourselves. See? What does your budget say about what you honor the most? Think about that. Think about that, brothers and sisters. In, in all honesty, if the Most High did an audit on your finances, what would he think? Read 9 one more time, please, brother. Verse 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance. With what, brother? With thy substance. See, we can honor him with our mouth, but talk is cheap. We should put our money where our mouth is to show true honor. And with the first fruits of all thine increase. That's the key, the first fruits. He said, don't try to give me what's left over. I want mine off the top. You see that, brothers and sisters? Too often we make the Lord the last thing we do with what he's given us. We have to really grasp this financial rule. Whatever it is, brothers and sisters, whether it's time, whether it's finances. He said, I want mine first. Then you go do whatever you do. But mine come first. And what happens when that happens? What happens when you honor him with your substance? What happens when you give him the first? Verse 10, brother. Verse 10. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty. With a little. With plenty. With enough. With plenty. And thy presses shall burst out with new wine. See? Now you have to know that Israelites were agricultural people. So it's referring to... Success. He's saying your barns will be filled with plenty. <laughs> you got so much stuff, you need a new barn, right? Okay? It says, thy presses shall burst out with new wine. So you'll just have so much. Why? Because you honored the Most High with your substance. Why? Because you gave him the first fruits of your increase. I can't tell you how many times people, our people, uh, uh, you know, at that, who try to, you know, give the most high the last after well let me go do this let me do that i need to do this and then okay i got two dollars left over let me get that to the most high see that's not a sacrifice if it doesn't hurt it's not a sacrifice brothers and sisters well this is all i could do you know because i still got to do this that's not a sacrifice it's a sacrifice when it hurts <laughs> give him his off the top brothers and sisters, because it's a test. We can honor him with our mouth, you know, with all this stuff. He's saying, no, honor me with your money. Use your money on things that I need you to do. Go buy some books. Go buy some stuff for church. Go give some money, you know, go get some, some, you know, some gift cards to Subway and give those out. Because talk is cheap, brothers and sisters. What does your budget say about what you honor most? Let's go to John 10, brother. 
go to John 10. We're going back to the gospel. John, the 10th chapter. We're going to have Brother Christopher read verse 17 and verse 18. John 10, verse 17. Therefore doth my father love me, because I lay down my life. Because what? Because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I what? I have power to lay it down. Look at that, brothers and sisters. According to the author, we have a limited perception of what power is. He's saying the power to sacrifice, that's power. Read that one more time, please, brother, from the top. Verse 17. Therefore doth my father love me. Why does he love me? Because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. See, so according to Christ, to sacrifice voluntarily is a show of power. Brothers and sisters, he said the father loves me because I had the power to lay it down. And since I had the power to lay it down, I have to receive it back because you, you reap what you sow. You harvest what you planted. See, this is, this is just natural law. Just like gravity, brothers and sisters. Now, you may say, well, listen, I don't agree with gravity. But I guarantee if you go to the, you know, the, the eighth floor of the building and jump off, you're going to fall and likely die. So what are we saying? We're saying you don't have to agree with the principle. It still makes it true. The principle is sacrifice to the Most High and he will bless you. You don't sacrifice to him so you can be blessed. If you do that, then the motive is unclean. You sacrifice, why? Because of what he sacrificed. Too many of us, brothers and sisters, our people, you'll sacrifice for the Jordans, right? $200, $300. Where I'm from, they stand outside four or five hours. You'll do all that. And then the Most High is like, well, okay, go buy a new Bible. <laughs> See? Where's your cross? Let's go to Matthew 16, brother. We're going to go to Matthew, the 16th chapter. We're going to have Brother Christopher read the 25th and 26th verse. Matthew 16, verse 25. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. According to the author... Brothers and sisters, self-sacrifice is the way to find your true self. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 25. For whosoever will save his life shall, shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. So the text is emphasizing the correlation between satisfaction and sacrifice, brothers and sisters. Verse 26. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So we're seeing, brothers and sisters, you will never find satisfaction until you serve something outside of yourself. That's what Christ is saying here. See, being hell-bent on not sacrificing, we sacrifice more. <laughs> That's what he's saying. <laughs> You try to hold on and clutch and all that, and you end up losing more because that's the name of the game, brothers and sisters. 
That's the name of the game. So while you're hell-bent on not sacrificing, you really lose more like that. You're learning some principles here today, brothers and sisters. These are biblical principles that work in your net. It works in all aspects of your life, brothers and sisters. So, you know, Michael Jordan and these guys, they sacrificed thousands of hours, right? Going out after school, thousands of dollars to go to the, you know, the, the basketball camps. And now look at what they receive because of that. Too many of us have never shot a basketball and want to be Michael Jordan. There's something, there's something wrong there. Where I don't want to sacrifice anything, but I want the success. I want to receive without giving anything. Something is up there, brothers and sisters. And we have to talk about it today. We have to talk about it today because Israel... Listen, if Gentiles don't want to do it, but we are the chosen of God. And we're penny-pinching. And we're not just talking about money. We're talking about time. We're talking about money. We're talking about whatever the Most High is telling you to sacrifice. And don't tell us, well, I gave up pork. That was a sacrifice. I gave up pornography. That was a sacrifice. You didn't do that for the Most High. You did that for yourself because you understood what the judgment was. So when you when you follow laws and you feel like that's a sacrifice, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I, I stopped celebrating Christmas. Come on, man. Seriously. That's not a sacrifice. That's called doing the right thing. Let us show you something. Let's go to Ephesians, brother, the fifth chapter, the 22nd verse. Examine this closely, my brothers and sisters. Ephesians 5, verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. Read that again, brother. Verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands. Unto who, brother? Unto your own husbands. Unto who, brother? Unto your own husbands. Not submit to men. See, this isn't gender control. What is he saying here? He's saying that relationship requires sacrifice. See, he didn't say wives or women submit to men. He established relationship. He said, wives submit yourself to husbands because he's telling you relationship cause sacrifice. See, this isn't gender control here, brothers and sisters. He was very specific with what he said and how he said it here. If you're going to be in a relationship, it's going to cost you something. Now, brothers and sisters, we are the bride, right? <laughs> We are the bride to the Messiah, right? See? Relationship costs, brothers and sisters. Relationship costs. Too many of us are trying to have relationships and not pay the cost. Let's go to Mark, brother. Let's go to Mark 12 and 29, please. Today's lesson, brothers and sisters. Where is your cross? Where is your cross? Mark 12, verse 29. And Christ answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. With what, brother? With all thy heart, 
and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Brothers and sisters, Christ's designation of this text as the first commandment emphasizes its importance. Could you read 29 again, brother? Because according to the author, the Most High created man in order to have a reciprocal loving relationship with him. Let's read it again. Mark 12 and 29. And Christ answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Thou shalt what, brother? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. This is what, brother? This is the first commandment. First means without observance to this commandment, you can't properly observe the others. So the number one commandment is to love the most high God with your heart with your soul, with your mind, with your strength. That's the number one commandment. The number one commandment, brothers and sisters, is to love the Most High God. Now let us show you, because He taught us how to love. Because some people, they want to love their way. You can't do that. If you're going to worship Him, you must worship Him in spirit and in truth, brothers and sisters. Too many people want to come up with their own... <laughs> combinations of what love is let us show you because he taught us what love looks like he taught us the behavior that comes subsequent to professing love let's go to john three sixteen, brother a scripture that many people know let's go to john the third chapter the 16th verse brother john 3 verse 16 for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That he did what? That he gave his only begotten son. No, that he that he sung. That he gave his only begotten son. No, that he danced. That he gave his only begotten son. Look at that. The text puts an emphasis on the connection between love and giving. Do you see that? God's motivation for giving was love. I need you to read that again, brother. John 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world. What did he do? That he gave his only begotten son. No, he sung a song. That he gave his only begotten son. No, he started dancing. That he gave his only begotten son. No, he started speaking in tongues. That he gave his only begotten son. That, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Love expresses itself in giving according to the text. So don't tell me you love someone you're not willing to give to. This particular passage teaches us the love language of the Bible. Because he loved us, he gave. You see that, brothers and sisters? Love and giving. Love and giving. You can't say you love something that you're not willing to give for. For you could say whatever you want to say, but this is how the Most High is looking at it. See? He said the number one commandment is for you to love the Most High God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And then he said, this is what love looks like. <laughs> he said, because I loved, I gave. Okay. So God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. He didn't shout. He didn't dance. Okay. He didn't speak in tongues. He gave. 
we're learning something here, and I'm sure we all knew this scripture, but we never probably looked at it in that perspective. This is one of the most popular scriptures in all of the Bible. We need to look at it from that perspective. He loved the world, so he gave something. Okay? So the Most High can use not only your finances, but your time. Okay? Because a lot of people, you know, they're not spending their money on anything of the Most High. Not any books of the Most High so they can study. Not any clothes so they can go pass out flyers for the Most High. Not any money for whatever, you know, he, he needs them to do. So you don't give anything. That shows the Most High you do not love. That's what it shows them. Because people who love, they give, brothers and sisters. So there's plenty of things that you can do to give to the Most High God. You just have to listen. And he is speaking to you. A lot of people don't want to hear. So they act like they don't hear, but they really do because they don't want to do it. But he's making it clear. Sacrifice. Where's your cross, sister? Where is your cross, brother? What have you sacrificed? Brothers and sisters, follow us to Paul's epistles. Let's go to Romans. The fifth chapter, the eighth verse. Romans 5, verse 8. But God commended his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Brothers and sisters, love is not measured by our confession alone. Our love is measured by the sacrifices we make. How do we know? The Most High told you. How he showed his love. Could you read that again, brother? Verse 8. But God committed his love toward us. He showed his love. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See? So God so loved the world that he sacrificed what his, you know, he sacrificed what was his most, his, his most precious possession. See? Sacrifice is the proof and measure of our love. It says he proved his love towards us that while you were still sinning, he sent an unblemished lamb, his most prized possession. So what is he doing? He's looking at what you're sacrificing and for what you're sacrificing. Then he measures that with what you've sacrificed for him because you're sacrificing for somebody. You're sacrificing for something. And he's comparing it. He's looking what you're sacrificing for him and what you're sacrificing for that over there. And he's measuring it. Why? Because according to Paul, love is measured by our willingness to sacrifice. No way around that, brothers and sisters. No way around it. Let's go to Mark, brother. Let us show you how Christ loved us. We're going to go to Mark, the first chapter, the 40th through the 45, uh, 45th verse. Let's show you something here, brothers and sisters. This was a time where Christ healed a leper. I don't know if many people have read this, but examine this closely. What Christ was willing to sacrifice here. Mark 1, verse 40. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Look at that, brothers and sisters. The man doesn't ask to be healed medically but rather to be made clean spiritually. Do you see? 
Continue. Verse 41. And Christ moved with compassion. He did what? Moved with compassion. Put forth his hand and touched him and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. So the only thing that moved Christ to heal this man is indicated in the in the 41st verse. Could you read that again, brother? Mark 1 and 41. And Christ moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. See, so the man's plight triggered Christ's compassion. You see that, brothers and sisters? Continue, brother. Verse 42. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he was clean. Now, brothers and sisters, if you don't read the Old Testament, you don't really know how serious this was. Because when you were a leper, you was not allowed to come to the parties. You was not allowed to come to the holy days. You were not allowed to go into the temple or the tabernacle because you were unclean. So essentially you were an outcast. You had to live among, uh, away from everybody. You couldn't come in the temple. You really couldn't do essentially anything. Because you were dealing with leprosy, and everyone knew that it was un, you know, it was an unclean spirit. So this man, he wanted touch, right? He wanted fellowship, but he couldn't have it because he had this leprosy. His skin was white where it should have been brown, brothers and sisters. They have a term for that now, um, uh, like vitiligo, brothers and sisters. When you you see different spots on them, right? And then you have once they turn fully white, they call it a clean, you would be called a clean leper, right? You would be called a clean leper. But when you got spots here and there, you were unclean, you know, and you could not come into the temple. You could not come into the church. So this man salivated for human touch, for fellowship. He wanted to be amongst people. Read 42 one more time, please, brother. Mark 1 and 42. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. And he straightly charged him, and forthwith sent him away. Now, brothers and sisters, I want you to listen to what the instructions Christ gave. Verse 44. And saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man. He said, Don't tell anybody. But to go thy way, show thyself to the priest. And do what? And offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Brothers and sisters, according to the text, sacrifice is evidence of what? Of gratitude. Do you see what, what Christ told him to do? Read that one more time, please, brother. Mark 1 and 44. And saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way. Show thyself to the priest. Show yourself to the priest. And offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded. Offer up for your cleansing. See? So if a person lacks gratitude, they will lack the Most High's attention. He gives attention to those who appreciate him, brothers and sisters. He said, don't, don't tell anyone else. Just go straight to the priest and give up an offering for this cleansing. What did he do, brother? Read verse 45. Mark 1 and 45. But he went out and began to publish it much. He went and told everybody. And to blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Christ could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places. And they came to him from every quarter. 
Now, there's a couple of things, brothers and sisters. There's a couple of things. We're seeing that the lack of sacrifice to the Most High is not so much the cause of the evil, but the result of the evil. And when Christ did this, he told this leper, don't tell anyone this. Why? Because my fame is going to grow. And now I, I, you know, I won't be able to walk around. I'm going to be essentially like you. I'm going to have to be walk around in the deserts away from people because I didn't come to do all these healings. That's not why I came. I came, number one, to teach. That was the number one thing. And I'll do healings every now and then, but I didn't come here to heal everybody. See, you'll notice that Christ always said, don't tell anyone. Just go, you know, go to the temple and, and sacrifice according to the law. Don't go tell people what just happened here. Why? Because I don't want that attention. So now, since you told everybody, I now have to walk around out in the desert. I can't even walk around in the city now because now everyone's lauding over me. Everyone's following me, chasing me down, asking me for healings. So what did he do? He traded places with the leper, brothers and sisters. Now Christ had to go to that same desert where that brother had to live because he was unclean. And now Christ had to walk around cities now. He can't even walk through the city anymore because it's fame. Do you see that, brothers and sisters? Do you see that? We're showing you that Christ traded places with a leper. That's true love. He said, listen, I'll let you take my place. You're clean. You can go amongst the city. I'll, I'll stay out here away from everybody. So he traded places with this leper, brothers and sisters. Do you see this? See, that's love. That's love, brothers and sisters. Christ was a substitute for this brother. Let's go to 2 Corinthians, brother Christopher. 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, the 14th and the 15th verse, brother. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then were all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. Now, brothers and sisters, here we're reading the stimulus or the stimuli for sacrifice. Can you read 14 one more time, brother? Verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. The love of Christ controls me. <laughs> What Christ did for me, it restricts me. It causes me to sacrifice. You see that? He said, for the love of Christ constraineth us. Why? Because we thus judge that if he died for all, then we're all dead. Read verse 15, brother, please. 2 Corinthians 5 and 15. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. Read that part again, brother. That they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So Paul is explaining to the Corinthians why he lives the way he does, brothers and sisters. He said, I reciprocate the Messiah's sacrifice with the sacrifice of my own. See? Christ's sacrifice put us under the obligation to live our lives in complete submission to the Most High's will. That's what Paul was breaking down here, brothers and sisters. You see that? Could you read those two scriptures again, brother, before we move on? 
2 Corinthians 5 verse 14 For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then were all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. He said they, he died so you would not live unto yourself, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So who is magnified on the law of reciprocation, brothers and sisters? But we know that many of us are better takers than givers. Paul said, because he operated for me, I'm going to operate for him. See, since he took my place, I'll take his place. The same thing that Christ just did for this leper. Christ took his place and lived as an outcast in the desert with an inability to walk regularly through cities. Why? Because his fame had grown. And all of that attention at that time would have had, you know, he wouldn't have been able to do what he came for. Because too many people would have been salivating over him. We're just showing you. Paul was breaking it down. He said, because what he's done for me, I will do for him. I will live like him now. Why? Because he lived as me. So we think it was Christ upon the cross. No, that was Sid upon the cross. That was Brother Christopher upon the cross. That was you upon the cross. See? Let's go to Romans, brother. Stick with Paul's writings. I'm going to Romans, the 12th chapter, the first verse. Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Brothers and sisters, this is the language of worship from the Old Testament, proving that sacrifice was a part of worship. Can you read that again, please? Verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. That you what? That ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's your what, brother? Which is your reasonable service. Worship without sacrifice is inconceivable. Brothers and sisters, there's a correlation with service and sacrifice. Let's read it again, because I think some of our brothers and sisters missed that. Romans 12 and 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. A living what, brother? A living sacrifice. Sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's your what? Which is your reasonable service. See? So there's a correlation between service and sacrifice, brothers and sisters. If you haven't sacrificed, you're not serving the Most High. <laughs> okay? You may be following some laws. That's completely different. Following laws and serving are completely different. Okay? And too many of our people, they get caught up in that law part and think that they're actually serving because they don't eat pork. <laughs> Listen, if you're unwilling to sacrifice, we're not serving. You're just following rules. Okay? Our people was following rules in the Old Testament, but we weren't serving. So following the rules is not serving God. I have to be clear on that, brothers and sisters. I have to be clear. Read that one more time, brother, please. Romans 12 and 1. 
I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Present what, brother? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So the challenge has to do with the believer's body, brothers and sisters. It is of little avail to know the truth if the body is not surrendered. <laughs> so he's saying you can have all this deep knowledge, but if you haven't surrendered with your body, your body is a living sacrifice, then you're not even serving. He said, present your body. That's your reasonable service. Letting you know that anything else is unreasonable. It's unreasonable. So what have you sacrificed? What have you sacrificed for the Most High? Let's go to Ephesians, brother. Five and one. Let's show our brothers and sisters something. We want to learn a little hermeneutics here, brothers and sisters. We want to learn a little bit about how the Bible, the how the Bible is is written, and some of the verbiage that it uses to convey certain thoughts. Ephesians five verse one: Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. And hath given himself for us an offering. According to Paul, true love is sacrificial. You see it again, brothers and sisters? <laughs> love and then what he gave. Love and then what he gave. Do you see? Read that one more time, brother, from the top, please. Ephesians 5 and 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. As what, brother? As Christ also hath loved us. And how did he do that? And hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. The text teaches us that giving is the proof of our love, brothers and sisters. Love desires to give all that it can. And the Messiah has provided an example of this. See? So as Christ also loved us, how did he prove that he gave himself as an offering? So we are to prove our love through giving as Christ proved his love by giving himself. According to the text, the Most High loves what? Read it one more time, brother, please. Ephesians 5 and 2. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. For what, brother? For a sweet-smelling Savior. Look at that. According to the text, the Most High loves the smell of our sacrifice. See? So that means our sacrifice has a smell to the Most High. He loves the smell of you sacrificing, brothers and sisters. <laughs> a lot of people didn't know that. Let's, we're going to prove that. Because here it is, you're dealing with some of the hermeneutics. Sacrifice has a smell in the Most High's eyes. He loves when you sacrifice. He loves that smell. It's like a sweet-smelling savor. It's like a sweet-smelling aroma to have his children, his sons and daughters, sacrificing on the behalf of the Most High God. Let's prove that. Let's go to Genesis, brother. Let's go to Genesis 8. Let's deal with no. I'm going to prove that all throughout the literature, the Most High loved the smell of sacrifice. Genesis 8 verse 20 And Noah built an altar unto the Lord 
and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And what happened? And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done. According to the literature, the Most High God loves the pleasing aroma of sacrifice. Brothers and sisters, we're going to read that again just in case you missed it. Verse 20. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast, and of every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And he did what? And the Lord smelled a, a, a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake. Now, brothers and sisters, the importance of a sacrifice's aroma is not the smell. It's what the smell represents. Okay? So when we sacrifice, it releases a pleasant fragrance into the nostrils of the Most High God. You see that, brothers and sisters? Moses is using the metaphor of smell to teach us about how the Most High receives our sacrifice. Or lack thereof. And yes we said Moses. Because Moses read this record. Okay. He wrote the Torah. Genesis is part of the Torah. Brothers and sisters. We just wanted to prove to you that. The Most High loves the smell. The fragrance. Of you sacrificing. Let's go to Philippians brother. Where is your cross? Where is your cross? Philippians 4 verse 18. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Apaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an order of a sweet smell. And what? An order of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable. Well, pleasing to God. According to the text, our willingness to sacrifice has a sweet smell. And guess what? Some of us stink, brothers and sisters. Some of us stink before the Most High. If sacrifice has a sweet smell, some of our people, most of our people, stink. If our sacrifice for the Most High is fragrant, some of us smell like we haven't showered in months. What have you sacrificed? Where is your cross? Where is your cross? We're proving that all throughout the manuscript, sacrifice is connected with a sweet-smelling fragrance. You will find this throughout the literature, brothers and sisters. The Most High loves the smell of sacrifice. He loves what that smell represents. And some of us stink. Some of us have a shower in months. Let's go to John, brother. Chapter 12, please. John, the 12th chapter, the 1st through the 5th verse, please. John 12, verse 1. Then Christ, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was which had been dead, 
whom he raised from the dead. Read that one more time, please, brother. John 12 and 1. Then Christ, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was which had been dead, whom he, whom he raised from the dead. Continue. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a, a pound of ointment of spikenard. What happened, brother? Verse 3. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard. Very costly. Very what, brother? Very costly. What was that, brother? Very costly. And anointed the feet of Christ, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the order of the ointment. The text puts emphasis on the costliness of this sacrifice, brothers and sisters. According to the Bible, you don't sacrifice what costs you nothing. That's against the Bible. Go read David. When a brother tried to give him something, he was trying to you know, build an altar for the Most High God. The, bro the brother whom had what he needed knew David. He knew he was a king, so he tried to give it to David. David said, I will never sacrifice what costs me nothing to my God. I'll pay you for it, brother. Even though you would give it to me for free, I can't sacrifice something that has cost me nothing. Go read that story, brothers and sisters. Read verse 4, please, brother. John 12 and 4. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? We went there to prove the costliness of this spike now, brothers and sisters. See? And I hope as we were reading that, you examined the sin of the sacrifice. Because it said the house was filled with the odor of the ointment, brothers and sisters. See? So all throughout the literature, brothers and sisters, sacrifice, the idea of sacrifice has a pleasing aroma to the nostrils of the Most High God. And as we said, some of us stink, brothers and sisters, straight up. Let's go to Malachi, brother, in the Old Testament, please. We're going to Malachi, the first chapter, the sixth through the eighth verse. Malachi 1, verse 6. A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? If I'm a father, where is my honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priest, that despise my name. And he say, Wherein have we despised thy name? How do you despise my name? Continue, brother. Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar. And ye say, Wherein have we polluted thee? And that ye say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. Continue. And if ye offer the blind for sacrifice. If you what? If ye offer the blind for sacrifice. Is it not evil? Look at this brothers and sisters. He's telling you the quality of the gift indicates the value the giver places on the one receiving. He said you, you, you're offering polluted bread. You're offering blind lambs and all types of stuff. This is what our people was doing. See? They was offering lame goats, blind goats, one with nubs on it. This is what our people was doing, brothers and sisters. 
just trying to do anything just to get it over with. Read that again, please, brother. Malachi 1 and 8. And if he offered for the, <clears throat> excuse me, and if he offered the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? Isn't that not evil? And if he offered the lame and sick, is it not evil? See, so they was, they was offering, you know, sick goats and sick lambs and all that. Bald goats and bald lambs, all this stuff, brothers and sisters. He said, is that not evil? Continue, brother. Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person? Saith the Lord of hosts. See, so according to the text, they offered their sacrifices out of convenience, brothers and sisters. What was provided was what they wanted to get rid of rather than what God required. So they set out to perform it as conveniently as possible. And according to the text, a person's behavior reflects his commitment. He said, if, if what you're giving me, you know, if there's nothing wrong with that, give that to your wife. Right? Give that to your mother. See? <laughs> give that to your mother. That's if, you know, if it's good and see what she's at. Give that to your wife. Give that to your husband and see what he said. See? So he was being clear here, brothers and sisters. Our people have a problem sacrificing because we're selfish. It's all about me. It's all about, you know, us. All about you. All about what you want. To where the priests, these brothers were offering up blind goats, blind lambs. Lambs with one leg. Lambs that had, you know, sickness and disease. And our people are doing the same thing today without the animals. Sacrificing, you know, whatever you want to get rid of. Nothing that cost you anything. Straight sacrifice out of convenience. That's not a sacrifice. That is not a sacrifice. Let's go to Genesis, brother. 3 and 9. Let's go back to the beginning. We're going to read 9 through 12. Genesis 3, verse 9. And the Lord God called unto Adam... And said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree, whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. Brothers and sisters, I need you to go back to verse 9. Okay. Verse 9. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him. What did he say? Where art thou? What did he say? Where art thou? Deliverance begins with this question. Brothers and sisters. Deliverance begins with this question. Where are you? Why? Because your own self-realization will be required before you can receive any deliverance. <laughs> he asked Adam, where you at, Adam? <laughs> What did he say, brother? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. Now look at this, brothers and sisters. Deliverance begins only when you have done the assessment of where you are. Too many of us don't even, <laughs> don't want to be real with where we are at. Too many of us don't even want to speak about the shortcomings. 
He said, listen, until you can tell me where you are, son, this conversation is over. Where are you? Brothers and sisters, remember when we were in school and you had that layout? You know, if there was a fire, this is the exit here. That's the exit there. There was two things that was marked on there. The exits and where you are. <laughs> it would say, you are here. So now you go left, then go right, then go up the steps, right? So it's saying, you don't know how far you are. You don't know how close you are to deliverance if you don't know where you are. You can know where all the doors is and all that, but if you don't know where you're at, then it, it doesn't help. So deliverance begins with being honest, an honest assessment of where you are. Read 9 one more time, brother. Genesis 3 and 9. And the Lord God called unto Adam. What did he say? And said unto him, where art thou? What did he ask? Where art thou? God would not assist Adam until he confronted himself. See? Many of us don't want to do that. Many of us don't want to be real <laughs> with where we are. Many of us don't even want to say it. Why don't you want to say it? Because what did the Bible say? The power of life and death is in the tongue. So you don't even want to say it. So when you know it's off, you don't even want to say it, brothers and sisters. Your mouth, because you know it's off. Where are you, Adam? Where are you, brother? Where are you, sister? Where are you at? See? That's where deliverance begins. Deliverance begins when you can admit where you're at. Go read the prodigal son again. <laughs> Go read that again. Where did his deliverance begin? When he looked around at the, the pig's pen. And what did he ask himself? He said, man, my, my father's servants have enough. And I'm out here. And then he went and he confessed. Where are you, brother? Until you can admit where you are. Until you can bring forth an honest assessment. An honest assessment. I cannot deliver you, Adam. Let's go to Luke, brother. Let's go to Luke 5 and 36, please. Luke, the fifth chapter, the 36th through the 39th verse. Luke 5, verse 36. What's that say, brother? And he spake also a parable unto them. No man putteth a piece of a new garment upon an old. If otherwise, then both the new maketh a rent. And the piece that was taken out of the new agreeth not with the old. So the parable is a series of contrasts between new and old. New and old clothing. New and old wineskins. New and old wine. Okay. Can you read that again, brother? Luke 5 and 36. And he spake also a parable unto them. No man putteth a piece of a new garment upon an old. If otherwise, then both the new maketh a rent. And the peace that was taken out of the new agreed not with the old. Continue, brother. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. Christ's message is clear, brothers and sisters. When it comes to the old man and the new one, we cannot mix and match. You see? Read 37 one more time, please, brother. Luke 5 and 37. 
And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles, and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. But new wine must be put into new bottles, and both are preserved. No man also having drunken old wine straightway desireth new, for he said, the old is better. So successfully mixing them, combining them, is as impossible as serving two masters. Do you see that? So he's saying you can't mix the old and the new. You can't be new until you can confess the old. Where are you, Adam? Huh? Where are you? So the whole deal is this, brothers and sisters. Why would anyone invest where they're not going to receive a return? Anyone who knows about investing... You don't invest in something you don't believe is going to return, bring a return. Why would the Most High invest in you when you're not bringing in a return? That's common, that's common understanding, okay? That is common understanding. Ask anyone. You don't invest where you don't expect a return. Is the Most High getting a return from you? Other than lip service? Is he getting time? Is he getting money? Is he getting effort? What is he getting from you? Ask yourself that. What is he getting from you? In the last year, brothers and sisters, what have you sacrificed for the Most High? Ask yourself that. Because it's best that, you know, if we haven't been doing the best, that we get confronted with it now. Before we stand before the Messiah and he say, depart from me, I never knew you. You worker of iniquity. You didn't love me. You didn't sacrifice anything for me. You did the least that you could do all the time. Let's go to Proverbs, brother. 14 and 12. Proverbs 14, verse 12. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. The text instructs mankind in a vital truth. No truth is clear, more direct, or more rewarding. Can you read that again, brother? Because here it is. He's challenging our perception. Verse 12. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. The end what, brother? The end thereof are the ways of death. So while you're destroying your own life, you will think what you're doing is perfectly right. See? This is the biblical way to say, I'll let you read it again, brother. Proverbs 14 and 12. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. The end thereof are the ways of death. So, this is the biblical way of saying, get out of your feelings. <laughs> Don't get caught up in your own feelings and think that's how God feels. There's a way that seemed right unto you that's going to lead unto death. Where are you, Adam? Where are you, Eve? Where are you? Until you can admit where you are, you can experience no deliverance. See, in the, in the Bible, this is how get out of your feelings is written. <laughs> okay. His point is that just because it seems right doesn't mean it is right.
So he's challenging our perception. Any wise man or woman understands that their perception is challenged. So a lot of times something seems right to you. But guess what? You have to pull yourself out of it and say, well, if what I'm doing, if this was somebody else, honestly, what would I say? (laughs) See, we don't want to do that, though. See? That's a challenge there. There's a way that seemed right unto you. Why? Because it's something you benefit from. But if it was somebody else doing that or asking for that, what would you think? Honestly. So we have to learn to step outside of ourselves so we can see clearly, brothers and sisters. Because until you can do that, until you can put yourself in someone else's shoes, until you can look back at a situation from the outside and see what that looks like. Until you can do that, you can't experience deliverance, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Luke, brother, 18 and 18. I'm going to read uh, 18 and 18. We'll read 18 through 22. Luke 18, verse 18. And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So here it was. A brother asked Christ, What can I do so I can have eternal salvation? Verse 19. And Christ said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good, save one, that is, God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, All these have I kept from thy youth up. So he said, I followed those. That ten commandments, I followed the law. (laughs) Now when Christ heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing. You're lacking one thing, brother. Sell all that thou hast, and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. Examine his response in verse 23, brothers and sisters. Read that again, please. Luke 18 and 23. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful. For he was very rich. So he knew what he was doing. He understood very clearly the choice he was making. That's why he was sorrowful, brothers and sisters. The text also teaches us that you can be following the law and still have a hidden idol. <laughs> See that? He said, well, listen, I, you know, I honored my mother and father. I observed the sacrifice. I don't steal. I don't kill. He said, okay, but there's something there. <laughs> See? Christ teaches us in this text, whatever you're unwilling to let go, is a hidden idol. Let's be clear on that. See, Christ will show you. The Most High will show you your idols. See? It is impossible for people to enter the kingdom of God and love other things more. You fooled yourself. Many of God's people practice idolatry. They just have it hidden. Many of our people are practicing idolatry. It's hidden. We just wanted to show you that what? This brother was following the law and still had an idol. So don't be, you know, don't get rocked to sleep. Don't get lullabied to sleep by the law thinking, yeah, as long as I don't eat pork, I'm good to go. I'm going to heaven. Really? 
He said, anything you're unwilling to relinquish is an idol. You need to think about that, brothers and sisters. Today's lesson, where is your cross? Where is your cross? Brothers and sisters, please follow us to Matthew, the 13th chapter. We're going to have Brother Christopher read the 44th verse. Matthew 13, verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath. He did what? And for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Brothers and sisters, the author teaches us that sacrifice is a requirement in order to obtain a address in the kingdom of God. You see that, brothers and sisters? Read that one more time, brother, because I need the brothers and sisters to examine the exceptional cost of salvation. It cost this brother all that he had. Matthew 13, verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath. He did what, brother? For joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. See, so the parable urges us to make whatever sacrifices is necessary to possess the kingdom. See that, brothers and sisters? Christ, oh, excuse me, the Most High was teaching us this in the Old Testament. In Exodus, he was saying, listen, you need to get this animal, that animal, and this animal. Why? Because the Most High is coming to visit. The Most High, he's going to dwell amongst you. He also told us that the peace offerings, the peace offering was the only sacrifice that we had an ability to eat. He said, if I catch you eating meat in which you did not sacrifice to me and the priest, I'm cutting you off from being in it, you know, from, from Israel. So it was very serious. If he caught you eating meat that you didn't first sacrifice to him, which means 50% go to the most high, 25% go to the priest, 25% go to you. If he caught you, then you were done. People cut you off. So if you wanted to eat meat, you actually had to sacrifice meat. Why? Because you can't reap where you have not sown. You can't withdraw where you have not deposited. And that's just a principle. That's a principle through all of our life, brothers and sisters. The Most High was trying to teach us in a young age as Israelites. That what it would cost to have relationship with him. Too many of us just want to, you know, sacrifice nothing. Let's go to Luke 14, brother. Luke, the 14th chapter, the 28th through the 31st verse, brother. Luke 14, verse 28. For which of you Intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it. Brothers and sisters, Luke is saying, what type of person would look to build a tower and not calculate the cost of how much the res you know, how much everything is going to cost? Let's read that one more time, brother. Luke 14 and 28. For which of you, intending to build a tower, Sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, 
whether he have sufficient to finish it. Lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him. Now, brothers and sisters, counting the cost involves asking yourself, am I prepared to sacrifice as a result of my beliefs? If we have not counted the cost of being the Most Highest Child, we will turn away at the threat of a sacrifice. Many people do. So he's telling you a wise man or woman does what? They calculate what it's going to cost in the beginning. They don't get halfway through it and then say, nah. He said, then they'll begin to mock you. Can you read that from the time, brother? Luke 14 and 28. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him. See, and that's what happens, brothers and sisters. And see, that's what happens. We start stuff, but we don't finish it. And then people mock you. See, and that's what your family is looking at, brothers and sisters. Your family know all the times you, you took interest into something and you stopped it. And now you're coming with this. So they're watching you to see. Are you going to keep this up or in six months you're going to be done? In a year you're going to be done? Because they remember last time you were so enthused with something that you no longer deal with at all. So they're watching that, brothers and sisters. <laughs> See, a lot of your family, they don't believe it's real. They believe it's just a phase. See? So what areas in our life are you underfunding and overexpecting? Where are you, Adam? Where are you, Eve? See, you have to be able to confront yourself. Until you can confront yourself, deliverance can't come. Deliverance can't come, brothers and sisters. So we have to learn to do this. We have to confront ourselves about what's really going on, where we really are in life. Be real. Let's continue to read, brethren. Let's read, uh, let's just read it straight through from the top. Verse 28 through 31. Luke 14 and 28. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him. If you can't finish it, don't start it. If you can't be consistent, don't pick it up. Verse 30. They would mock him doing what? Saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulted whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. So, once again, we ask, what areas of your life are you underfunding and overexpecting? Don't take on more than you can afford, brothers and sisters. Where is your cross? Let's go to Ecclesiasticus, brother, 12 and 3. Let's go to the Apocrypha. We haven't been in the Apocrypha much today, but... We always would like to get there if we can. I'm going to read 3 through 5. Please listen, brothers and sisters. Ecclesiasticus 12, verse 3. 
There can no good come to him that is always occupied in evil, nor to him that giveth no alms. Nor to what, brother? Nor to him that giveth no alms. Give to the godly man, and help not a sinner. Read that part again, brother. Verse 4. Give to the godly man, and help not a sinner. Continue. Do well unto him that is lowly, but give not to the ungodly. Hold back thy bread, and give it not unto him, lest he overmaster thee thereby. For else thou shalt receive twice as much evil for all the good that thou shalt have done unto him. The text teaches us that some people are better takers than givers, brothers and sisters. You can't underfund and overexpect. It says give unto a godly man. So if a brother is doing wrong and you know it, he chooses to mismanage, you don't help him out. Why? Because it said you're going to get back double, <laughs> double trouble for helping out a brother who's continued to do wrong. Or helping out a sister that's continued to do wrong. He said, hold back your bread. You don't help out somebody who don't want to help themselves. You see that, brothers and sisters? God gets tired of carrying something that's not given back on the level that it's taking. That's any relationship. A sister will get tired of that. If you're taking on a, on a higher level than you're giving. A brother will get tired of that. That you're taking... On a lower, you know, you're taking on a higher level that you're giving. So the most high was clear. He said, hold back your bread. Don't give him anything. You give to a godly man, help not a sinner. So that means if you know someone is doing something wrong, you don't help him. This is not talking about, well, a homeless guy may be, you know, not doing the right thing. He's not following the law. No, nah, that's not what it's talking about. That's this brother or sister know what they're doing is wrong. People have spoken to them about it and they choose to ignore. I cannot help you. That's the law. The law says that. Let's go to Ecclesiastes 14 and 11, brother. Just a few chapters. Ecclesiastes. 14 verse 11. What's that say, brother? My son, according to thy ability, do good to thyself. Do good to who? Do good to thyself. How so? And give the Lord his due offering. According to the author, it would be well for you to give the Most High what he is due. See, he's challenging our, per our perception again. He said, do good to yourself by giving unto the Most High what's due unto him. You see that, brothers and sisters? Where is your cross? Where is your cross? Let's go to Deuteronomy 16, brother. Because this same principle of sacrifice the Most High taught us all throughout the Torah. Deuteronomy 16, verse 16. Listen closely, please, brothers and sisters. This was concerning the behavior of men during holy days. Three times in a year shall all thy males appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose. Three times a year all males must appear in the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Feast of Unleavened Bread, right? That's right after the Passover, brothers and sisters. In the Feast of Weeks. First fruits on the 50th day or Pentecost in Acts the second chapter when the Holy Spirit fell down on the brothers. And they spoke in tongues or understood languages that they didn't speak before. 
And in the Feast of Tabernacles. Feast of Tabernacles, where you were supposed to stay out in the, you know, in the wilderness, essentially in the woods for a week to remind you of how our people lived in the wilderness. Start that from the top, please, brother, verse 16. Deuteronomy 16 and 16. Three times in a year shall all thy males appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, in the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And in the Feast of Weeks, and in the Feast of Tabernacles, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty. They shall what, brother? They shall not appear before the Lord empty. The one common requirement at these feasts was that no one could worship without a sacrifice. And this is speaking of males here. See? So the text teaches us that it takes sacrifice to even approach the throne. According to the author, fellowship with the Most High is going to cost. Continue, brother. Deuteronomy 16 and 17. What's that say, brother? Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord thy God, which he hath given thee. See? So he's saying, everything that I've given you. <laughs> Can you honestly say what you provided? That's out of everything that I've done for you. This is what you have? So, brothers and sisters, when you sacrifice for the Most High, serious business, especially on these holy days, especially on these holy days, because when you're offering to him, you're saying this was my substitution. When our people smelled the burnt offerings during that time, they had they were serious because they understood that smelling of burnt flesh should be their burnt flesh that they're smelling. They understood that that was. The mindset, that was the mind frame. When they smelled that lamb roasted, the flesh, the burnt flesh smelling, they understood that should be, that should be my flesh burning. So when you, when you come to a holy day, or not only come to a holy day, you, you, let's say you're throwing a holy day at, at your house or something like that. You give the best. You give the best. Because why? You're saying, Father, this is what you're worth. This is what you're worth here. So the number one main focus on these holy days. Where are the holy days? Leviticus, the 23rd chapter. Go to Leviticus, the 23rd chapter, brothers and sisters. You'll have many of the holy days there that we're supposed to celebrate. And it was a requirement that all males showed up in Jerusalem for those three. So it didn't matter where you was living, what country you were in. You traveled to Jerusalem at least three times a year for those particular holy days. And you better have something in your hand. Something valuable. So look at this. The text teaches us that relationship with the Most High is a transaction. You see that, brothers and sisters? It's a transaction. He said, don't come before me empty. Give as you are able according to what I've done for you this year. Guess what? Christ taught us that you cannot approach the throne without a sacrifice or an offering either. Let's go to Hebrews 10 and 12, brother. Let's go to Hebrews. Because Moses taught us that and so did Christ. We're at Hebrews, the 10th chapter, the 12th verse. Hebrews 10 verse 12 But this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever 
sat down on the right hand of God. Look at that. <laughs> he couldn't even sit down until he offered. Brothers and sisters. After his offering, he was able to approach the throne. According to the author, the cross was an offering. Brothers and sisters, that's what it was. The cross was an offering. Brothers and sisters. See? Many people don't look at it that way, but the text tells you it was an offering. Let's go to Luke 9 and 23, brother, please. We're running down here, brothers and sisters. Luke, the ninth chapter, the 23rd verse. Luke 9, verse 23. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Where is your cross? Where is your cross? The cross was an offering, brothers and sisters. That's what it was. Where is yours? I need you to think about that, brothers and sisters. Not for the sake of the commandment keepers church. Not for the sake of brother Sid or brother Christopher. For the sake of the most high. Where are you Adam? Where are you Eve? Self-realization. Self-assessment. Be real with yourselves. I don't care how much I'm doing. I can always do more. So can you. So many people get angry with God because he's asking for something. Yet you're asking for something. The cross was an offering. We're going to prove that. Let's go to Hebrews 10 and 9, brother. Let's go to Hebrews 10 and 9. <clears throat> Hebrews 10 verse 9. Where is your cross? Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will. O God, he taketh away the first, that he may establish the second, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ through once the, for all. Through the what, brethren? Through the offering of the body of Christ once for all. The cross was an offering. See that, brothers and sisters? Christ loved, so he offered, he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't shout. He didn't dance. He gave. So according to what we learned today, love and giving are interconnected. And if you're not willing to give for the Most High, you don't love Him, no matter what you say. And we're going to end it here. Exodus 32 and 26. We're going to read 26 through 29. I want you to examine the sacrifice here, brothers and sisters. In the wilderness. Exodus 32 and 26. I'm going to read 26 through 29. Listen closely please brothers and sisters. This is our last passage of the day. Exodus 32 verse 26. Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp. And said. Who is on the Lord's side? Which Who is on the Mosiah's side? Let him come unto me. Come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. Levi would be the modern day Haitians. And he said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, 
put every man his sword by his side, and go in and out from gate to gate throughout the camp, and slay every man of his brother, and every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. Now, remember, he said, if you're following the Most High, come to me. Those who didn't come, obviously, were not following the Most High. So he gave them strict instructions. He said, those of you who want to serve the Most High, go through every gate. Now, during this time, the tribes were separate, brothers and sisters. So Judah had his area. Zebulun had his area. Levi had his area. Benjamin had his area. Gad had his area. So he said, go to all of these gates and slaughter. Continue, brother. Exodus 32 and 28. And the children of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And there fell of the people that day about 3,000 men. For Moses had said, What did he say? Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord. Consecrate means to set yourself apart. Even every man upon his son and upon his brother, that he may bestow upon you a blessing this day. Why, brother? That he may bestow upon you a blessing this day. The reason why so many of us accomplish so little for the Most High is that we are only partially consecrated unto the Most High. So the text is saying, devote yourselves to his service by obeying his orders. We must have no partiality to person, but lay aside all carnal affection, not sparing the nearest relationship. He said, you have to take out your son, you have to take out your brother, you have to take out whoever it is. See this? There was a test here. Because why? Your son is not following the Most High. Your, bro your blood brother is not following the Most High. At this time, the Most High gave instructions to go run a sword up in them. See? You have shown yourselves worthy. Look at what he said. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 29. Exodus 32 and 29. For Moses has said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, even every man upon his son, and upon his brother, that he may bestow upon you a blessing this day. That what, brother? That he may bestow upon you a blessing this day. So, here it was. Moses is saying, you've shown yourselves worthy to be his ministers by rising above personal considerations. If you closely examine the text, the consecration came before the blessing. Read it one more time. 29, please, brother. Verse 29. For Moses has said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves today. How? Even every man upon his son and upon his brother, that he may bestow upon you a blessing this day. That what, brother? That he may bestow upon you a blessing this day. See, so it said the consecration came first. I'll bless you for that consecration. If you're not willing to kill something in your life, you're not willing to be blessed. That's what it's showing you. These brothers killed their sons, their brothers, their cousins. Why? Because they were serving other gods. Now, of course, we're not saying go kill somebody. <laughs> we're definitely not saying that, brothers and sisters. But what we are saying is anything you love before or above the Most High is an idol. And you will not get in. You will not get in. He said, you can love other things, but you must love them less. You must be willing to lose that before you lose me. And if you're not, then you're, you're not good enough. 
to be a recipient of the Most High's kingdom. We just wanted to show you that there was a time where the brothers, the Levites, before they were enlisted into service, there was something they had to do. They had to consecrate themselves by running a sword through anyone who was not following the Most High. That was their sons, that was their brothers, that was their cousins, that was their uncles. It did not matter. And the Most High blessed them for that. Why? Because they were willing to lose even personal relationships for the Most High. Where is your sacrifice? Where is your sacrifice? Brothers and sisters, I, I pray that our brothers and sisters are able to go back on some of the information uh, that came out of the Bible today. Um, we learned a lot of things today, brothers and sisters. We learned that from the beginning, the Most High only wanted to dwell with us. We learned that he also said that it would take work for his presence. Right. We learned about the importance of sacrifice. We learned that the Most High loves the smell of sacrifice. He loves the smell, meaning not necessarily the the actual aroma, but what that aroma, what it represents, brothers and sisters. It's what the, the aroma represents. So here it is. We know we're the children of Israel. And Gentiles also. We have Gentiles who follow our church. What are you willing to lose? And don't tell me, well, I, you know, I stopped eating pork. You stopped eating pork. That's not a sacrifice. You did that for you because you would have died if you kept eating it. Have you How much money have you sacrificed this year for the most high? Right? How much time? What have you used your money on that benefits the Most High? What have you used your time with that benefits the Most High? Brothers and sisters, we have to stop underfunding and overexpecting. Today's lesson, where is your cross? We want to say, Kwam Yasharala. Kwam Yasharala. Sin no more. Sin no more.